A Christian mind is not one that is trained to think only about Christian topics. It is a mind that has learned to think about everything from a Christian perspective. Christianity provides a comprehensive view of the world. Christianity is a worldview. Worldviews are the grids. They are the lenses through which we frame all of reality. Do you know what this is? I just thought This is... We'll just keep that anyway. Um, hey guys, welcome to the Black Bria podcast. Um, I'm Kingsley. I'm here with Israel. Um, and we have a special guest with us for the first time. Who do we have? Yup, yup. Malachi Larry King. Ah. Yep. Mm. Okay, so yep. we've got Malachi with us today. Yeah, the one and only. Um, <laughs> it's been, a, it's been a, a good week, hasn't it? Um, I think some of us in particular have had some good news. <laughs> What's the news? Yes, so this past week I got engaged hey. to my now fiance Rachel Robinson. Mm. So, okay, mm, that's that's mm. been okay. an exciting mm. week for sure. Yes, this is uh, <laughs> you gave the surname. Are you, are, you gonna, are you gonna have to bleep that out? Was that okay? Is that good? It's temporary anyway. Hey, 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 hey. clicks, clicks. <laughs> Everything on is private anyway, so. Okay, lovely. Y- y'all, y'all won't find none. Cool. <laughs> but yeah, congratulations on that. Like the team, yeah, for sure. super happy for you. Um, so yeah, we've got Malachi with us today. Um, and we're going to do an episode uh, on friendships, on how to build them, what they look like as mm. Christians, um, navigating loneliness from the perspective of being a black male Christian, mm. um, and a variety of other topics that, that just might sort of crop up as we're going along. Well, before we do start, Malachi, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, yeah, I can do that. Um, yeah, so the name is Malachi Larry King. Um, that's actually quite important, though, because the new new people that know me will know me as Malachi. People that know my past and know me, the old me, will know me as Larry. Um, everyone knows me as a king, though, so. Hey. Mm. So, yeah. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I've been a Christian for about 10 years now, since 2009, January 19th, actually. Hmm. Um, I know the date. I know that it's important, but mm. I remember that part at least. Um, yeah, I'm just a black man standing at six foot five. <laughs> <laughs> mental health, uh, mental health advocate. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, there's so much more, but I'll just leave it at that. Right, lovely. Mm. lovely. Yeah, yeah. I think um, as we go into some of the questions, maybe more of that will come out. Yeah, yeah. All right, so um, we don't really have sort of a, a lay of the land, but we're just going to sort of tackle it, and I'm going to jump straight in. So the first question I want to ask you guys is, are there any ways in which loneliness is unique to the Christian experience? Well, no. I don't, yeah, loneliness isn't unique to the Christian experience. I think there are um, dynamics in loneliness that can be compounded um, for a Christian based on certain um, spaces or experiences that they have by being christian but it's certainly not unique to the christian Hmm. yeah yeah no i would agree um i think coming into the faith does not uh does not stop you from feeling those things as far as Mm. feeling alone feeling lonely um i guess as far as what you were saying about the dynamics to some extent i guess it would even mean that you would feel it more Mm. Because there are new things that separate you from everyone else. 
Mm. Um, so the temptation, or should I say the tendency to feel isolated becomes more profound amongst those who are believers. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would not say it's unique to the faith. I wouldn't say that at all. Mm. From your answers, I'm wondering if either of you have ever felt lonely um, and have you ever felt lonely in the context of being a church member? Mm. <sighs> um, I've been... Th- <sighs> I've been thinking about that a lot. I I think I certainly have felt lonely, but I'm also starting to realise, and I guess this can, this can be another point of discussion. Um, I'm also realising that I've, I don't know that I'm the best at distinguishing between genuine experiences of loneliness yeah. and um, merely periods of isolation mm, mm. Okay. where uh, you experience boredom. Yeah. I, I, I feel like for a long time I've merged for a long time in my past, I merged the two. Yeah. I think it's only recently that I'm starting to be a bit more aware of the difference mm. between the two mm. and that being alone by yourself for a day or two doesn't equate to loneliness. Mm. Mm. Um, and so that's actually become a, a huge part in my in my processing. But I, I definitely do think there have been periods that I felt lonely. And I think even as a, I guess we'll come on to this as well, um, especially as a church member, yeah. um, that there are, you know, dynamics in relationships in the church that can uh, make you feel lonely slash isolated, even in the presence of other people, um, which I think is a it's, a it's a separate thing to you. the first thing I just mentioned. Um, Are you happy to share one example that has been applicable to you? Uh, that's okay. Yeah. So I mean, I know for example when I first became a Christian, um, and learning about what it means to uh well to expository preaching and moving away from like the prosperity gospel narratives that christianity is all about getting rich and being wealthy yeah and your faith is measured by how much money you have and so on and so forth um there was a sense of isolation or loneliness in trying to navigate an entirely new space and not feeling like i said i could actually be part of this group yeah because Mm. i hadn't fully understood how to interact what i'm meant to say what i'm not meant to say um because i'd entered a new space um so that's one that comes straight to my mind when i think about church in particular yeah yeah cool malachi what about you yeah um speaking honestly i would have to admit that yeah i've definitely felt loneliness um and to be fair even what, what israel just said i think that's important to know the difference between being lonely and being alone or being isolated i feel like not that I want to have a discussion on the etymology of it, but um, I guess it's important to consider that loneliness is a time of being alone that is unwanted. Hmm. Um, as opposed to you just being on your own, but like there's kind of a purpose to it. It's hmm. expected, it's accepted. Hmm. Um, but as far as, yeah, negatively speaking, being alone, feeling, feeling you know, without others, feeling lonely. Um, yeah, I have, I have experienced that. And, Again, if I'm speaking honestly, I still experience that to this day. Um, should I share examples? Of yeah, that? no, go for it, please. Yeah, um, so as I said, I've been a Christian for a while. Um, but I feel as if there's been kind of, well, so far, because obviously we are always an evolving people. Um, I feel as if when it came to my faith and being a believer, I've kind of experienced two different phases. Yeah. So there was a time when I was initially saved. And there was a time post uh, a certain event that happened to me. 
Um, and then I kind of had to integrate myself again to the church mm-hmm. and as far as membership and community. Was this the same church? Same church. Uh, when, when I first came to the faith, I still felt alone, um, which is something I've kind of experienced growing up. Uh, I felt alone in that, even though there was something that now connected me to other brothers and sisters, which is, of course, the love of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Um, though that was the same, that was both within me and within the other person. I felt like when it came to everything else, so as far as our past, our history, our experiences, our upbringing, I felt like there were so many differences between me and other Christians right. that I found it very, very hard to feel the connection and to actually feel mm. like I'm in a new sphere of friendships and family. Um, On that, can I so just yeah. ask, um, was this something you discovered that there was such a difference between your background with other Christians through discussions or was it something that you just felt... Um, no one was talking about the types of experiences that you had, so you assumed that they didn't have those type of experiences. Yeah, I would say it's both. Um, I would say that, not to say that um, it was a specific type of, you know, way of communication, but it was just generically the examples that people would have when they're telling their stories or even the way they would say things. Mm. It showed that they didn't, they didn't quite experience what I experienced, which stopped me from either communicating in a certain way or uh, inspired me to speak in a certain way. I felt like that wasn't, I don't want to say it was taboo, but it was just uncommon with others. So that automatically made me feel apart um, from them. Uh, But of course, we were still tied by the gospel. So when I first came to the faith, as much as I felt that instantly, I still felt a need to immerse myself within, you know, the community of the faith. So I made sure I was very active. I made sure I was around and everywhere, involved in anything. I felt as if I had to make sure, though I felt these things, felt lonely. Yeah. I was in the center of everything. Okay. But it didn't necessarily do away with the feeling. It just allowed me to cope and endure and, you know, kind of just keep at it keep you know experiencing community so that to the point where the loneliness wasn't at its peak so that's that's my experience and i have to say that that's kind of uh still my truth today especially because obviously being um in the faith for a while i've had new experiences i've had new i've gone through new events which have you know changed things for me as far as my perspective as far as my experiences with others but the feeling of loneliness has never changed so that's my truth there yeah so on a day-to-day basis how do you and israel this is open to you as well how do you you wake up in the morning Mm. and it's just one of those mornings right like it's just one of those mornings you roll out of bed and I don't know, you might brush your teeth, do whatever you do. You might, might brush my teeth. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just that's a setup. That's a setup. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you, know, you know people have different orders. Yeah, Some people true, have their true. breakfast first, then they brush their teeth. That's white people though. Yeah, but, yeah, um, well, you that's, never know. That's, that's, that's up for debate. That's up for debate. Um, uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, you do what you do in the morning, yeah? Um, so at this moment in time, you might have your devotion, etc. Mm. And you get to the point where you're starting your day, but there is an abiding sense of loneliness is just there and you're not necessarily sure what's triggered it where it's come from mm. 
how do you guys talk to yourselves in those moments to, to not allow that feeling to be overcoming, but actually to recognise that it is a feeling that it can pass and that it doesn't define who you are and what your experiences are in Christ? Um, This is recent for me, but I think I've, I've started to accept that. To accept it, I mean to say, to start with saying, this is what I feel and that's okay and just sit with it yeah not necessarily try to do anything with it uh not try to suppress it or even make it or not try to suppress it Mm. or to go deeper into it but just be like being aware that okay this is what i'm feeling right now so you Um, feel your feelings yeah and to be okay with that and to let it stay as long as it does stay um and not necessarily feeling like i have to explain every single feeling i have in the moment um, or that I'm required to do something um, resolute with it. I feel like a lot of, this is especially true for me in my experiences in the past, a lot of my experiences of loneliness and other emotions um, were met with a narrative that I have to do something very, very decided with it. Um, I have to either like really act to counteract it. Mm. Um, and I think a lot of that was tied up in school as well, um, that, if I felt a moment of loneliness that hinted to me having some sort of like um, something being wrong with me. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, or that's, that's what culture told me that you're clearly something's wrong with you. So you have to act on it to counteract it. So you can remind yourself that nothing is wrong with you. Um, or and in, 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 in other cultural narratives, I have to go deeper into it um, because you're only as much as you feel. Mm. So, again, your feelings somehow serve as these uh, markers of your own value. Mm. Um, so I guess learning to not be so tied. Um, how do I say this? My feelings are part of me, but they're not fully me. Yeah. So I can't yeah. deny them. Yeah. But I can't. I I I shouldn't um, equate them to who I am. Yeah. 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 Okay. This is like a weird middle that I'm trying to discover. Yeah. Mm. A tightrope. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Malika, how are you walking that same tightrope? I think it's very similar, actually. Um, as far as just always trying to achieve the balance, we, I'm definitely big, and uh, I can't emphasize this enough, that such feelings should never be suppressed. Mm. They should never be buried. They should never be denied mm. because that only festers and it turns into something extremely more negative and harmful to you um so i definitely appreciate what israel just said um i guess the first the first thing then as far as the opposite of that which is the positive is to accept it that okay mm-hmm. i feel alone or i feel lonely because of this and that and so forth um but it's then to try to work around it okay you can't force people to have similar experiences you can't you can't force people and to be fair you shouldn't even want you know you shouldn't want everyone to be just like you you should appreciate diversity. You should appreciate, you know, the differences in yeah. people's perspectives and experiences. Um, so once I focus on that, I start appreciating the fact that we are, I am not similar with others. I start appreciating the fact that they've walked a different path mm. and they are able to kind of invite me to new ways of thinking or new things of believing, uh, uh, basically. Mm. Um, and it's also, of course, as much as I'm, I'm, I'm saying that we should, well, I, I do anyway, appreciate the differences i also appreciate the similarities which is basically the gospel of course yeah i'm um, not to sound cliche 
but that is a controlling and transforming aspect to us to the fact that we are all sinners saved by grace um and so when i come to church knowing that i'm still going to feel alone at certain times i'm still comforted by the fact that i'm not around strangers though i'm not i'm not lonely to the point where i don't know the people around me this is actually my family yeah and something bigger than me ties us together so that's how it's, it's still a balance to achieve um but that, that's how i work around it myself okay so i think we're both we're both on the same lines mm. israel and malachi so far and i think that question i ask kind of focused on your sort of internal reaction to the feeling of loneliness so now i'm wondering um and i guess to a certain extent it might be drawing from the answers you've given but if we let's say we're all in the same church congregation mm. um and malachi is experiencing loneliness right so i know that now yeah mm. um and Israel's ex- experiencing loneliness. So I know that now. I'm aware of that. Um, and just being a Christian, I have a desire to support, to love, to help my brother in that situation. What should I be doing? What, what does that look like? What does that support look like for the person who's experiencing loneliness? Because you don't want to be that person yeah, that's like yeah, yeah. all in your face doing, Hey, I, hi, I, he, listen, I'm here. I, I hear everything you're saying. And to be fair, you've I could say two things straight you know, um, off my mind, off my heart. You said the first thing already, the desire. Um, the first thing to have is actually the desire. It's easy to, it's easy to sound sympathetic mm. um, when you hear that someone feels alone at times. It's easy to, you know, say ah and kind of wish that that wasn't the case. Yeah. But that doesn't actually help the person. There has to be a desire for you to actually want to be part of the solution to say, okay, you know what? I want to draw closer to you. I want to be your friend. I want to be of service. I want to be there for you. Mm. Um, that doesn't happen without a desire. Mm. Um, you know, an intention to want to commit to this person. And that's very important. I don't want us to assume um, that everyone has the desire. It's not It's not necessarily like that. Mm. Um, so I think that's the first important thing that I would say. And secondly, obviously, of course, I could say more. But secondly, I think, uh, practically speaking, asking the person, how you want to solve that problem of course just as you said i don't i I don't actually think it's helpful it seems nice but it's not it's not very helpful to those people who feel alone where now someone is just all in their face Uh, all mm. invading their thoughts and their and and their space and just there 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 and constantly that can be very very overbearing and just (laughs) the truth is it's just it's just too much it's just too much. Um, but I think something that's so important is actually asking the person, how can I be there for you? Because what that does is it allows them to tell you mm. how you, they want you to meet their needs. Okay. Pe- people who feel lonely, the truth is the people who feel lonely know what they want to not feel that way. They like they, they have a sense, they're aware of what's missing. Yeah. So if I ask this person, okay, how can I be there for you? I in, in in allowing them to tell me how I should be, I am basically making my attempts the most effective and effectual means to provide, you know, friendship or community or brotherhood or sisterhood, whatever the case is, to that person. So I think as well as the desire, it's actually asking the person, how can I be there for you? Is what what's the frequency of contact? How do you want me to contact? Mm. What what are the things you want to talk about? Like I want I want them to show me exactly what they want and need and then I can go from there so that's what I would say uh, myself so yeah that's good um, Israel slightly different question can I ask you okay <laughs> or, do, or did you really want to jump in on that no 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 it's cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm wondering um, 
So I, d- I do this thing when I'm, when I'm trying to read the scriptures um, and I try to think when I'm experiencing a variety of different sort of emotions of life um, or experiences in life, think, I try to think, um, has Christ experienced this? Mm-hmm. And can I see it on the pages of scripture? Mm-hmm. And can I see how he navigated it, right? Um, so the question I have to you um, is, are there any examples in scripture of Christ um, experiencing loneliness mm. and if so what lessons are there to be drawn uh, that's a good wow that's a good question so I'll start by um, trying to add to the definition of loneliness um, first and say that um, broadly understood loneliness is um, a particular experience of uh, isolation in the sense that there are you feel you feel that people can't enter into the experience you're currently in mm. um and i broaden it to that sense so that it includes um not just experiences of loneliness that we think of which is usually tied with sadness okay um but it includes experiences of loneliness that doesn't necessarily bring with it sadness but brings with it a sense of um the inability to be understood mm. Mm. um and so in that in that sense i think we can i can think of two uh in particular the first one is in the garden of gethsemane yeah. um where christ feels a very particular experience that no one else especially the two disciples who were out gone to sleep couldn't experience mm. in that moment um and i think of the many times so this is this is a second example but it's it, it occurs multiple times where jesus christ um, will say something, disciples completely misunderstand, and Jesus Christ will have to like be, you know, say, "Have I not already explained it to you that this is how it has to go?" Okay. Um, or the disciples misinterpret his words. Um, they read his words of his death, burial, resurrection as um, him talking about the restoration of the military power of Israel. Things like that, where Christ continually says, "How long do I have to keep on explaining this to you?" How long do I have to put up with you? You, you, I'm trying to explain something to you and you can't actually meet at that same point of contact and understand what I currently understand. Mm. Um, and I think, again, that's a, that's a particular sense of experience. When I, when, um, sense experience of loneliness, when Malachi was talking about the very beginning um, or feeling that his experiences were very different from the, people in church Around, yeah. i was actually thinking about when i first went to university um and realizing essentially how hood slash ghetto or urban i was mm. um <laughs> mm. ah, I hear. I hear. <laughs> and and it's like you, I mean, you're there it's fresh as week you are you are interacting you're doing lots of things yeah but in like a month i was like man mm. <laughs> i'm by myself on this one like <laughs> No, and I'll say things and people are like, what does that mean? And I'm like, oh. <laughs> and it wasn't necessarily that I felt sad and I started to cry, but it was just, I, I feel felt, other. Yeah, yeah, I felt yeah. really other. Yeah. Mm. And so I could still interact and I could still have relationship. Yeah. But I felt an, an increasing sense of aloneness because there was this inability to actually have a, a, uh, an overlapping point of contact. So we, could be, we could both be like, oh yeah, like I don't have to explain something for you to understand what I'm yeah, trying to exactly. say. Yeah. So I think those examples are 
abundant throughout the gospels between Jesus Christ and the disciples. Um, and I would say that those are clear cases in which Jesus Christ experiences loneliness where he doesn't have a point of contact and experience with his disciples. I feel like there was a follow-up with that, actually. Yeah, so the follow-up yeah. is, the, well, the follow-up was, um, yeah, what are the lessons that we can draw from those experiences that the Lord has in the scriptures? Um, I think first it shows that it's okay, mm. uh, that that in and of itself isn't a bad thing. We are different people. Yeah. Jesus Christ was 100% human, so he mm-hmm. was a mm-hmm. full human person who had experiences of not being able to share an experience with other people. Yeah. And that's normal because we are different humans who have different experiences, different um, histories, different, not, I was going to say different realities. That sounds a bit extreme, but I I, I think we can, it we can be honest. We perceive reality differently. Yeah. So, so to have moments where someone can't fully share in that isn't a bad thing because yeah. it actually affirms the individuality of each person. Um, I think another lesson from Jesus Christ and his disciples is seeing the persistence in Jesus Christ, um, even in his frustration. Again, frustration is not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Even in Jesus Christ's frustration um, with with that experience of isolation from his disciples, he didn't say, oh, therefore, the pursuit of humanity is to find people where you experience the same thing in full contact yeah. every single time. Your twins. Yeah, yeah. That, that's not the pursuit. And I think actually part of our cultural narrative is that you need to find the people or the person who is 100% exactly. in line with uh, yeah. you in every single way. Can, can I add a word? Um, <laughs> that's the, the word that they commonly use is compa- compatibility, <laughs> um, which is a word that I actually hate. <laughs> um, I hate how it's used. Um, but yeah, let me yeah, no, <laughs> go no, on here. Yeah. That doesn't exist. Yeah, it's, just, it's just not true. It's Every just not single true. person at some point is going to clash or have some sort of distance from another person. Absolutely. Um, and to know that that's okay and that doesn't mean that we abandon the person mm. because yeah. we've, we've experienced some sort of uh, disillusionment or difference from mm. them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and actually, yeah, to say that I can have and should pursue um, friendship with people that I already know going into it will experience moments of, of, of loneliness with becomes a model of discipline for us mm-hmm. um, to, to start to think if it is acceptable, if it will happen and if Jesus Christ continued to pursue the disciples and mm-hmm. to continue to have a relationship with them. Yeah. What does it look like for me mm. to enter this relation, um, this friendship, whoever that person may be, knowing that I'm going to experience moments of loneliness or isolation and to continue in it and to still push further into it. Um, what does that look like for me? And to answer that question and to apply essentially, you know, Jesus Christ and the disciples example mm. to um, that situation in particular. Yeah. You're looking mm. at me and my hands on my head. Because I feel like I'm being ministered to right now. Um, uh, Malachi, you, you mentioned compatibility and you, you, you hate that word. I, I, think, I think I'm quoting you verbatim. Yep, um, yep. Do you, you want to flesh that out for us? What? Uh, it's basically what Israel said. Um, 
obviously the word in and of itself is not inherently evil, but <laughs> I I am I am I despise and I am so against you know how it's used, you no, know, this myth um that in any sphere, mm. you know, like so much importance is given to finding people who are just like us, mm. people that match us perfectly, mm. people that are basically our twins, our um our doppelgangers as they say. Mm. You know, um it's it's just so untrue. Um, and I've seen it just forced by so many in and out of the church, um, in, in all walks of life. Like the emphasis, I don't know what it's based on. Of course, if you find someone that's just like you, that comes with a lot of ease. That comes with a lot of, uh, it just becomes natural to become friends and be united to that person. Mm. But most people are not like that and you shouldn't even want that you should okay. you should you should celebrate difference you should mm. enjoy uniqueness um you should appreciate these things and not believe especially as christians just as israel said christ came into the world of people he he was unalike um and mm. yet he found himself connecting and being immersed and being involved mm. with these people mm. passionately it, in, intently um committedly um and if we're following the example of our savior how can I then now just <laughs> jump on this system of thinking that I can only become acquainted with people who are just like me? That is just untrue. And so, uh, yeah, I hope people hear that <laughs> and second guess the things that they've been saying towards their friends. I oh, was mm. so compatible. Well, so maybe you're not compatible, and you, but you can still be amazing friends. Yeah. Um, that's just, yeah. just true. So, so yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah. So we're having this conversation as guys um, and we're talking about, yeah, loneliness. And perhaps this is um, a topic that isn't necessarily broached by men regularly um, as between one another. Mm. So I'm wondering, um, when you guys think about loneliness, when you experience loneliness, is there a, an added barrier by the fact that you're a man? Um, do you think that discussing issues surrounding loneliness are more challenging um, because you're a man? Um, or is it more challenging rather to discuss it with other men? Is it easier with other women? What are your reflections on loneliness as a man? Yeah, um, 100%. There is a great issue when it comes to this, when it comes to being male, when it comes to being a man. Mm. Um, so many factors. And to be fair, I actually feel as if I am the perfect example of someone who finds it hard to... Know, embrace these things because of what sex I am, because of my gender. Okay. Um, growing up, I have, I don't want to uh, tell too much of my story. Now, brother, share. <laughs> yeah, but it's just <laughs> basically, yeah, basically growing up, um, it, I, I, I almost instantly, even as a child, was burdened with this idea that I was not allowed to be weak. Um, it came because of. Mm things I was taught and, and or should I say things I wasn't taught um, mm. as far as not having a father um, around at all, mm. completely. <laughs> um, and also just being exposed to this idea that I had to be a man from early. Mm. Um, I wasn't, I, it wasn't invited to me or welcomed the thought that I was allowed to be vulnerable, that I was allowed to be, you know, to express myself. I was allowed to even ask for help I had to be very independent I had to deal with my issues internally and on my own um so I could never 
I could never admit the need to need men in my life, to need fathers or to need brothers. Um, because I was a man. It yeah. came with mm. so many stigmas that men, I just had to deal with it alone. I had to, in fact, it was encouraged to be alone. Men are people who are alone. They do things on their own. They do it when they want to. They don't need others. Yeah. They don't need help. They don't need support or assistance. We are tough. We are strong. We are hard. All of these mm. things. Um, and I, and I and I grew up in an environment that was plagued with these ideations. As far as this, you know, I grew up in East London. I grew up in a, basically in the hood, um, with with every male example around me being these strong, independent, thuggish guys that just dealt with things on their own. And mm. I eventually became a product of my environment, believing these same things. Um, and I don't even, as far as admitting that that's my story, even if you didn't grow up in the hood, even if you didn't grow up in a ghetto, I still believe that I have seen just that same system of thinking as far yeah. as just men have to be independent. We just have to be alone. We can't admit weakness. We can't ask for help. That's not, that's not part of the, of the, the guy's code as it were. So, um, yeah, there's so many barriers that, uh, when it comes to this being, you know, being a man, because, you know, asking, wanting to be friends with someone is admitting that you are insufficient. Hmm. As you said, we are not self-sufficient, hmm. that I'm in need of something to be my best self, to be a man. Um, of course, all of these things are untrue, but when so many people are embracing this lie, it becomes a, a false gospel that you just hold on to because you don't want to, you don't want to be an outcast. You don't want to be indifferent. You don't want to yeah. be uh, deemed weak um, or unacceptable by the society that you're in, whatever the environment is. So, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of hardships. And I experienced that growing up to such a, uh, extreme extents. Um, and I just know that I'm not the only one who's uh, experienced such things. So, yeah. Um, the, I mean, I agree with everything, Malik. I said the culture we are in um for a very long time and it continues to happen now paints a very very specific picture of what um true manhood looks like yeah. and <clears throat> what it what it does i think it for us especially when you're growing up as i i've been i've been thinking a little bit about like school as well and i'm yeah. i feel like i want to want to bring some of that up. what it what it does is that when when you're young um your whatever image of manhood or success you're given is that's that's all you know and that's what you take um because you're you're trying to form some identity that can feel acceptable mm. um that can belong uh i remember so many times in school where you know you were basically dared to do things mm. and the consequence of not meeting the dare was what being cast out yeah. and that literally is like textbook example of how a narrative enters your very psyche um through the narratives of of, of culture mm. um but what, what what i see that wasn't talked about yeah was the impacts that that has not just on yourself um but on other people um and it isn't like malika said it isn't healthy in that we weren't we weren't built to be self-sufficient. Absolutely. Um, we were built to be in relationship. Mm. Um, but being in a relationship is hard. And I think that's the thing that wasn't actually emphasized. Mm. That 
choosing to be in relationship is an act of courage mm. as mm. opposed to an act of weakness mm. okay. well, it's almost like a Absolutely. literal flipping it upside down yeah. Yeah. yeah um that it's a lot easier to say oh, this is hard i'm not gonna put up with it so i'm gonna isolate which is what we did like i mean i'm you know the whole the whole idea of um dropping the the difficult friends was literally pushed because it it looks strong but actually it's it's a sign of weakness that you can't push through or say you know what being relationship is messy Mm. and part of being a full human is to in resilience develop that relationship through the difficult seasons um and not have as a reflex that the moment i feel uh tension step out yeah. it doesn't mean that uh, as i'm speaking i'm realizing it doesn't mean caveat that you stay in toxic and i guess you can define that mm. but i'm sure you know what, what i mean when i say that um toxic relationships but it does mean that there is um a great danger in making the reflex to tension to just walk away um Yes, that I, f- I feel like I've lost my train of thought. Let me let me come back full circle, okay, um, mm. and say that the narratives have been harmful to men, um, mm. and so what essentially needs to be done is that we rework them and say, what does it look like to be a full human who is both individual, because that is that is a necessary part of yeah. of manhood, mm. and also connected. This, individual yet connected to others dynamic and affirming both and trying to embrace both fully as opposed to picking one um over the other yeah brothers um (laughs) it's not good that man should be alone he he never meant us to be so independent that we were in need of no one Mm. and to do things on our own Mm. we have to as you said separate ourselves from that toxic culture um, you can't be your ultimate self on your own. It's just impossible. That's not God's design. Mm. I should add as well, because um, I'm thinking about the the dynamic of being individual and connected. Um, I think the the um, the story of you need to be fully individual um, came probably as a response to codependency. Um, right. Of being fully absorbed into someone else. Mm. Okay. Um, so I think the the kind the narrative that we should probably be pushing a more healthy narrative is avoiding strict individu- individuality and isolation. That says I'm going to do everything for myself. I'm self sufficient, and avoiding the other extreme of being codependent, where you n- have no individuality, um, where you're so dependent on other person that you literally absorb your not absorb. You literally absorb them into you or you enter their life and whatever they say um, becomes like a, almost like a dictator of your life. Mm. That is a healthy middle again between strict individuality and complete codependency where you can't exist apart from this person. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, <laughs> I feel, uh, this is a good point maybe to, to segue a little bit. Um, in your your last answers, um, we were talking a bit more about relationships, talking a bit more about relationships, and I think it's a good segue for us to to go into talking and exploring a bit more about friendship. Mm. Um, 
So as we sort of go there, I think the first thing to just say off the bat and to ask off the bat is, do you guys have friends? <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know, I found it not funny. <laughs> um, it's funny, that's, that is such a simple question. Yeah. But it's also a hard one to be honest about. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, okay. Uh, do I have friends? The thing is... Um, I, so yeah, I don't know the answer. Um, I have, I cannot deny the, those who show me friendship. There are so many important people who I, I hold close to my heart because of the affection and the love um, that they show to me. Um, I can name drop mm. whatever. Uh, don't do that. Yeah, I'll just uh they know who they are. I hope I hope they know they are. I hope I'm being equally as affectionate um as 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 they have been to me. Um but honestly speaking, as far as from my perspective, speaking for myself yeah. and being honest, I don't know that I have friends um because growing as much as I am trying to overcome that toxic way of thinking. Mm it's had such a hold on me. Mm. You know, um, I'm 27 now. This is 27 years of this toxic way of thinking. Um, it's had such a hold in me um, that it has made it extremely hard to connect with others, to, uh, to accept a connection, a bond with others, especially men. I find it hard to befriend myself to others i find it hard to um you know be a brother to other to to allow others to be a brother to me um mm. to the point where as far as everything that comes with friendship the beauty of it being able to confide in others being able to be honest and to be myself being able to share being able to confess being able to admit all of these expressions and you know, gifts and benefits that come with friendship. To this day, unfortunately, I have to admit that I have not embraced those things or maybe should I say, um, I've not allowed myself to enjoy friendship because of the hold that, you know, I have to be on my own. I can't, I have to be strong. I can't mm. be weak. I can't be in need of friends. Um, unfortunately, that's my truth today. So I guess if I'm being honest as as I want to be as I strive to be all the time you ask me have I do I have friends I don't know um a part of me a part of me is quick to say no that's that's actually why I was giggling at first because that's a simple question but I find it very uh deep and searching mm. so mm. that's my answer mm. Israel um, I feel no pressure to, uh, <laughs> to, to give well an I mean answer. I I, I, I can, like, hearing Malachi's response, I definitely, I know I definitely come from, come at it from a different angle in that I would say yes, but um, my uh, sort of, like, soul-searching question is recognising that for a long time I've always um, understood myself to be a bad friend mm. um, to others. So I've, I've never really had an issue saying that I have friends, but I've always had a, an issue consider myself a good friend to them um and so part of that was oh part of <laughs> um 
was haunted me is is feeling like people are only my friends are friends of me because they put up with me okay um as opposed to there's a mutual enjoyment in each other okay um and i think that's that's probably because i i i viewed friendship as essentially codependency that um to be really friends you have to be essentially identical mm. and when i wasn't identical with other people i was like oh i must be a bad friend because i'm not i don't like this thing the way they like it xyz and a very trivial example which actually is re- <laughs> mm. it's really significant the no, more i processed is. it yeah growing up football was the thing like yeah. You play football if if you're a black boy in South London, mm. and you don't support a football team, and you don't play football. No, what are you actually doing? That's I, that, I, I'm not gonna lie. I didn't <laughs> I didn't grow up watching football, but uh, yeah, I still I still have my black card though. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. and and so you know I I it's it's only in the last few years that I've put, I've really sat down. I said it's an okay sport. Like mm-hmm. I'm not really riled up about it. And I tried and tried and tried. And obviously, in school, I did the, everything that you're meant to do. Yeah, yeah. But it was always a sense of it's forced. Okay. It's what I need to do to belong and to be a good friend to them. And I think coming to the point where I'm saying, where I'm recognizing that not enjoying football as much as my friends enjoy football doesn't make me a bad friend to them. Okay. Because mm. I shouldn't be, I don't need to be codependent. If I don't have that exact enthusiasm, that doesn't mean I've betrayed them. Yeah. It just means we have genuine different interests. Mm, mm. Um and so as I've learned as I've learned more about who I am personally, um and learned to accept that I'm I'm starting to tr- to untie the ways I have conceived a friendship that have enforced the idea in me that I've always been a bad friend um from my youth essentially, which has had its own impacts because when I am by myself, I then tell myself the reason I'm lonely is because I'm a bad friend. The reason I'm lonely in this situation is because I don't enjoy this thing the way they do. Okay. And mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. its own type of um, trauma of a small T in yeah. that it did its own damage in not allowing me to really discover who I am and just like enjoy that. Mm-hmm. that that me instead of feeling the burden of trying to recreate myself into something else for other people so I can feel that I belong or... Um, have true friends that's an mm. interesting category to introduce trauma of a small t i like that it's because <laughs> I, I want to use the word but i'm also like i no, need I to be yeah, so yeah I, yeah yeah, mm. yeah, I yeah um i think your reflection on the impact of football um, mm. and how it um is one of the ways in which men uh, interact and form and bond yeah sports spirit yeah, yeah. sports mm. spirit is is quite insightful uh, in particular because i think there was a quote i read and it might have been you israel actually shared it with me indirectly shared it with me where um an author said about men's friendships that men's friendships are only often as deep as the activities they join mm. they enjoy together mm. so i love football right. he loves football yeah we play football together yeah we watch football together mm-hmm. or i love basketball he loves basketball we talk about basketball we, yeah. we do basketball yeah. the greatest sport in the world by the way <laughs> up for debate <laughs> um, but but that that sense of actually it's our interests that bonds mm. us as opposed to other things. Yeah. So I guess when we're thinking about that, the next sort of obvious uh, area for us to discuss in my mind is actually what makes a good friend. Hmm. 
I, hmm, I think a number of things can make a good friend. I, I think interests can and do make good friends. Um, but I don't think they're the only thing that make good friends. Mm, mm. Uh, I think before that, that is definitely how I've conceived it exclusively as interests, as activities, because we both enjoy football, therefore we're friends. And actually, you know what, I'm, as, I, as I think about it, I realize that's part of the reason why a lot of, quote, friendships fall away after certain um, seasons in yeah, life. Yeah. Because in secondary school, you, at least I'll speak for myself, I formed a certain set of friendships just around football. And when we leave or we separate and we can't be on the same football team anymore or whatever, it's like, oh, so there's not. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah. sort of look at each other and like, I, I guess that's it. And you just sort of like walk away. But then that's its own sort of weirdness because you think, so what was this French? Like, yeah, what was yeah, this yeah. relationship for five or six years? It was literally just a sport. Um, so I think broaden it, including, I would want to include interests, but definitely broaden it beyond interests. Um, and say um, even things like worldview and understanding the 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 shared outlook on life that you have. Um, I would I would even include and I think Rachel Jones mentioned this um, in her book. Um, the particular season you're in can be a a huge point of friendship. I think of the example. The example that comes to my mind is. Um, uh, my previous pastor of New City, uh, Chris Hatch, who's now in Chicago, um, studying for his PhD. The show. He, um, he, he's really close friends with um, one guy in particular um, who he met while he was in... Ah, let me get this. Chris will forgive me if I get this wrong. Um, he met, I think, while he was in either seminary in St. Louis or while he was pastoring in St. Louis. Yeah. And they became friends because he gave his kidney to him. Mm. Wow. And literally, that's that's the point. And they've ever since he donated his kidney to him, they've remained friends. And so it was a particular event that joined them. Um, and through that event, other things came. I don't I mean, I don't know the full breadth of, of the relationship, but I'm sure they, you know, met each other over the, the f- coming years. They saw each other's um life experiences so you could imagine that um this guy attended um chris's uh, daughter's graduation from high school and then other things happened that formed this web of friendship but the starting point was a very very specific season and event in life which was him giving his kidney to this person so things like that i think can can form friendships and so we need to be able to think of other categories outside of interests yeah. okay. that can create and truly flourishing friendships. Yeah. Um, I completely agree with what you're saying. Um, I, I think a word that comes to mind, as you said, what you said was mutuality. Um, when it comes to making friends or even achieving great friendships. And I, I guess this is coming from me studying friendships, knowing that friendship or uh, obtaining friendships and acquiring friendships was a hard thing for me. Um, I felt as if it was a weakness and so I tried to do what, whatever I could in my power to overcome that weakness and make it a strength so you know um, studying what friendship is you know just uh, gaining new perspectives and what I've come to understand is that mutuality is very important mm. but I don't want to 
I want is I have great emphasis and you know a, a great confidence about it. But what I mean, what what I don't mean to say, of course, again, as you we were saying before about I don't want to use this word, but compatibility or just finding people that match you. That's helpful. That makes things easier and that makes things more natural. But it's not all there is to it. And so as I say mutuality, I'm not necessarily meaning you both have mutual goals or you both have mutual objectives. Those things help and they make it easier for me to connect with this person. I have much more to talk about. I have much more to check up on you on. I can strive with you to achieve them because, you know, it's equal between us. Yeah. But I mean a mutuality of care and concern. Mm. So even if even if two people are just completely different um, in the way they see things and what they want to achieve in life, they are both, though, completely committed one to another. Um, as unique as they might be, what is equal between them is just a desire to be the, the other person's friend. Yeah. Um, so I think mutuality is definitely important. Um, and I guess expression. Um Say so I say this because obviously when we think about friendships or ships, um, it's easy to think about. <laughs> it's easy to think about relationships, and so if I'm thinking about a girl, which is something common to all of us, um, <laughs> that was the weirdest turn of phrase. Yeah, so yeah, um, but when we're thinking about girls or pursuing girls, it's very easy to be expressive. You tell the girl she's beautiful. You tell her you feel a type of way about her. You tell her you want her or you want to be her boyfriend or you want her to be your girlfriend. Or... I feel like it's going to turn into an R&B song. Bro. Yeah, yeah, certainly. <laughs> <laughs> game is game. Into but, but, no, 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 no. I'm just, I'm just saying that, you know, we, we think about that, but we, but the what I'm trying to uh, emphasize on mm. is the fact that there is an expression towards yeah. that person. I want to become this or I want you to become this or I want us to come to, to become this together. That's also important in friendships. And of course, that goes completely against the toxic culture that we we were all mostly raised in. Mm. But expressing to another man, not necessarily that I think, I think you're beautiful and, you know, I want us to blah, blah, blah. But telling the person, I value you. Mm. Telling the brother, I appreciate you. Mm. Highlighting the brother's strengths. Mm. Um, even actually asking and welcoming, welcoming their gifts or their values or their different perspectives or their uniqueness, whatever the case might be to be something that you get to enjoy too. So I see, to, I say to brother, hey, you know what? I like that about you. Um, I would, I think it's, I think it would be cool if I got to know that more or if you told me more about this or if I got to experience this more, if we met out the same way, you know, we will spit game to a, to a girl. We can spit game to a guy. Um, so mutuality and expression. Mm. Expression, I think that's really important when it that's comes That's one to of that. those sound bites, yeah. <laughs> you, you need to have the full context. It's true, make sure. Um, I don't want to say nothing very inappropriate, like no homo or anything like that. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm still, I still true, think it's very true. important to nah, be expressing yeah. towards men. What I'm hearing especially is that intentionality. Like yeah. Yeah. when it comes yeah. to pursuing the opposite sex or or whoever, there's there's intentionality. It's yeah. like, you know, you say specific words, you're you you want you want to show mm. and express a very specific message. Yeah. And that same intentionality needs to be there in friendships. Mm -hmm. I think I think Malachi's earlier point where you mentioned um mutuality and you said there needs to be that mutual sense of care and concern. Mm. Um were quite I think pertinent points to me because as I reflect on friendship I think of one of the best sermons I think I've heard period um 
was a sermon by Tim Keller mm-hmm. on friendship. And I, I do remember like sharing it with some friends. And mm-hmm. Yeah, it just went everywhere. Tim um, Keller's great, mm-hmm. isn't he? <laughs> on that on that particular <laughs> sermon, absolutely, he's amazing. Um, but he spoke about friendship and he, he gave four things that we can sort of think about when we're thinking about friendship. And if I recall them correctly, they are constancy, carefulness, candor, and counsel. And the first one about hmm. constancy, uh, he, 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 he brought that up as he was uh, exegeting the proverb that says, um, a friend loves at all times. Um, yeah. He was talking about the fact that um, when we're thinking about friendship, mm. um, when we're thinking about being good friends, um, he emphasized the point that we need to be around to be a friend. Mm. Um, there needs to be a sense of presence. Now, of course, you can be friends with someone in Hong Kong, but you mm. have to demonstrate a way of being around. So that might be by phone call, text message, Skype or something. Yeah. But you can't have friendship without having that sense of being around, being present mm. in some way. Mm. Then he went on to talk about carefulness. Um, and he spoke about how a friend has to be, um, a good friend has to be emotionally attuned to the needs of the person they're trying to be friends with. Mm. Um, and I think in particular as men, that's probably one of the places where we'll find the greatest challenge. Mm. Um, because I think, as I've, I think as I've gotten older, I think, um, and as my theology has developed, I'm coming round actually to accepting that I think women um, start with a higher degree of emotional intelligence than men. I would um, agree. <laughs> and, I would agree. Yeah. Um, Shout out to my sisters. <laughs> and, um, I, I, I think that enables them in this particular aspect, that tends sense of being emotionally attuned to the needs and the experiences of others mm. um, helps them to do that much better than I think men naturally do it. I think it, there's a, a greater sense in which men need to work at that um, to go, Israel's my friend. Mm. What is going on in Israel's life? How might he be feeling about that? It's, it's asking questions and thinking through those questions. But the questions that you're asking are questions probably that don't come naturally to you. Mm. Like I don't, I, I've just said this here. I don't remember the last time I actually asked myself, how is Israel feeling? Apart from engagement day. Right, oh, when yeah. we're talking, mate. But yeah, that serious, serious mm. point. Um, and then he spoke about candor. Um, a friend is a truth teller. Mm. Um, mm. And I think in a world where people are, for many reasons, actually concerned um, about how truth might be received, mm. um, having someone in your corner who you know loves you, who always tell you the truth, I think is a is an incredibly um, encouraging thing to have um as i think about that um i think about you know proverbs like better is open rebuke than hidden love Mm. faithful are the wounds of a friend um which i take to mean um words that your friend needs yeah that are going to be painful to hear but you say them because you want their ultimate good um and when paul says speak the truth in love when we think about our friends we trust in some sense that they do love us. And so when they are saying those piercing words, where when they are saying, you know, Malachi, I love you, but bro, you're messing up here. When they're trying to help us be accountable, for example, mm-hmm. um, having that sense of knowing that this is coming from someone who loves me, who cares for me, yeah. makes it easier to receive the truth. Mm. Um, then the final thing he spoke about was, yeah, counsel. 
Um, so someone you can actually ask for advice. Um, so just even like in this room. So we've got we've got Israel in this room. We've got Malachi in this room. We've got Mary. Shout out Mary. Shout out Mary. Uh, <laughs> queen, queen, queen. And um, uh, you threw me off with the Queen Queen. <laughs> 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 anyway, um, but to, to like diff- different levels, I experience mm. friendship with all the people in this room. Mm-hmm. Um, but the ways in which I, for example, let's talk about council um, and just like really some abstract examples. If I was talking to Israel about council, I might ask Israel about council about, um, bro, I'm looking to like develop my knowledge of African-American history in the 19th century. I just know <laughs> Israel's going to have some type of council, read this book, listen to this book. I just know he's going to have it. Similarly, if I'm talking to Malachi, I might go, bro, it's been like an interesting four weeks or so. And I'm noticing that my t-shirt is not fitting the same (laughs) (laughs) what should i be doing Mm. and i know malachi is going to give me that nutrition regime Mm. he's going to give me the exercises Mm. and he's going to message me he's going to talk to me every day and say bro Mm. what happened today health Mm. is important did you get it um and then similarly with mary um there's there's a variety of things you can do with mary Mm. actually one of the things that one one of the things that i appreciated about mary i don't even know that she's she's even aware of this there was there was it was years back now thinking about it where um we were coming back from somewhere i can't even remember where we're coming back from but Hmm. mary drops me um dropped me home um um, i said mary dropped me home and you know what there was a little bit that rose inside me that was like raz in the passenger seat <laughs> anyway, uh, Mary dropped me home, and we had a candid discussion um, about life, about um, where she was at, where I was at, um, uh, things, but how she perceived certain actions I had taken, um, how she felt I could improve, hmm. um, how she felt that um, I should be better, that I could be better, places that I could, uh, strengths that I could show more of. Um, areas for my development she was really candid with me Um, and she did it in a way that I didn't come out of the car thinking rah like Mm. I'm gonna delete that girl's number (laughs) but she did it in a way that was like Hmm. it was she didn't uh, soften the edges Hmm. like the truth was there but I also came across in in one sense feeling hugged Hmm. as she was telling Hmm. me these hard things right so again just that Twitter quote but just, yeah, just but reflecting on friendship in yeah. that context, I think there's that yeah. sense of, yeah, counsel. So those are like mm. four things. When I'm thinking about good friends, those are the things that I sort of yeah. have in mind. Um, and I feel like I've been talking for a long time, so I'm going to stop and ask a follow-up question. You know what, can I add to that? Go for it. Not not, 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 not even adding, because everything you said, um, I think was complete, but maybe just encourage others to actually see that all those things were actually, of course, they were embodied in Christ. Um, amongst his disciples but as as you were speaking i thought of the relationship between jonathan and david mm. um, and how they possessed all of these elements they were both different people but they had this candor they had this uh concentration and uh consideration and just care for one another so mm. um yeah i would encourage anyone to look at their friendship um there's a book i always forget the author but it's quite a popular book as far as um disciplines of a godly man Hughes, Kent Hughes, Kent Hughes, um, he speaks about uh, their experience and, you know, um, everything they possess as far as friendships. And um, Mm. yeah, I just want to encourage other people to look at that. That's what I did. So, Mm. uh, and it helped me. So, yeah. Um, Okay. So next question I had is, how do you guys choose 
or make friends? Or how do you think we should if choose or make friends? Mm. Um, I think most of our friendships presently have been a result of providence in that we find ourselves in those spaces and things happen that lead to the friendship as opposed to a very decided, you know, um, I had five interviews and you were the successful candidate. <laughs> Congratulations. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, yeah. uh, work commences next week, Wednesday, starting sharply at 9am. That can, <laughs> I don't, I don't think, especially at this stage in life, I should say, I think, yeah, I, I think I'm safe in saying this around twenties. We realized that most of our friends that we currently have were the result of events that happened without our quote intention and they've led to friendships now right. and i think as we develop this individuality and awareness of who we are um looking forward um things that i think we should be mindful of in forming friendships is uh understanding exactly what a good friend looks like so when you mention um the four points that Tim Keller gave in the sermon, um, looking for those characteristics in people. I I find this really relevant for me right now as someone who's about to move into a new city. Yeah. Um, and I'm thinking about... I mean, my, like, so I wrote, you know, shame, shameless plug? Yeah, that's, what, that's the right phrase, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Shameless plug. I wrote a new blog post on cruciform.me Um entitled the difficult art of saying goodbye check it out hmm. read it share su- subscribe to my new what's the what's the what's the phrase that everyone says <sighs> like the like so- comment subscribe yes that's <laughs> it do the social media stuff i'm not i'm not <laughs> tell i haven't rehearsed this anyway um so we've we've written that blog post i have been thinking a lot about okay what does it look like to actually enter an entirely new space it's a different country i've never left london in my life and now i'm not even just leaving the city i'm leaving the country um and so this question is actually really relevant for me uh and i think about trying to be intentional with people um that know what it looks like to care for other people um i think as i so i'm I'm just answering this this question for myself as i interact with other people um enter new spaces i want to be just mindful of the ways in which other people um, challenge me and inform me um, and the ways that I can benefit other people and allow friendships to develop naturally. Mm. Um, I think I think I will never be able to do, nor should anyone really, quote, do you. I might be wrong with this. You know, make it a very strict and rigid format of selection and final decision-making. I think a more healthy approach is being very aware of the way relationships develop and as they develop be consciously responding to those developments and so where you see so in my in my hypothetical case i i land and i strike a conversation with someone if after i see something really good and interesting coming out of it to be for example to say for example you know, I'm going to build on that. So mm. this thing happened with this person last week. 
let me follow up on it and just build on it okay. and see where it goes. Mm. Um, where something negative happens, I say to myself, you know what? That doesn't necessarily mean that I can't be friends with them. But I do know a, a, an aspect of true friendship is that you can be candid and have candor with them. Um, so I'm going to bring it up, address yeah. it with grace, um, love and truth and so on and see how that goes. Does it Does it lead to a place where we both feel we are understood more and we can grow or does it lead to the person just outright walking away Mm. um leaving me with more questions as to okay what does that actually mean for this relationship so that awareness and constantly probing um and thinking and processing relationships as they occur um so that we find ourselves moving intentionally towards friendship over time with that person or friendship not happening in that case as well which is actually okay yeah i feel like that's a comprehensive answer <laughs> so our listeners are going to be listening on soundcloud they're going to be listening on apple music they're going to be listening on mm. spotify mm. um yeah so various streams and they're going to be talking about it maybe on twitter or on facebook etc um, and i say that to say um, we are very much the social media age, right? Definitely. Right. We're engaging with... Digital era. Exactly. Um, so to what extent do you think uh, social media has an impact on friendships? Um, and do you think that impact, um, when you consider it in its totality, is positive or negative? Um, at the moment, I'm not on social media. I mean, besides WhatsApp. But I don't have a Twitter or Instagram. And it's, I don't... I don't not have these things necessarily because I was having issues with friendships or um, becoming friends with others. But that does not mean that while I was on social media, I wasn't aware that it did have a detrimental effect on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've heard it so many times from other people that I just know it's a true thing. It's, a, it's one of the downfalls of embracing technology, even though it's a great thing in and of itself. It's not inherently evil. So I'm not anti-social media. Um, But of course, it has its problems. And what happens is basically social media, you know, the Instagrams, the the, the Twitters uh, and so on, they focus on the highlight of our experiences. Mm. So during the week, we are showing um, the more positive side of our lives and the fun uh, and entertaining experiences we had. And so that's all you show to other people. Um, that's all the world sees and it's easy just because we're in this digital era that are not thorough they're not deep it's easy for them to become superficial and shallow yeah where that's all they care about um that's all they see so naturally even though they shouldn't they naturally assume and everyone does well most should i say they just assume that everything's okay with you um any any kind of discussion or question that is prompted because of what they see on social media is only about what they see on social media and nothing else. So it's basically like the math is or the formula is the more posts you have, the less questions about how you actually are become. Um, and I've seen that so many times. People are more interested in the, the special moments you've had, um, but not necessarily in everything that goes behind that. Right. So I feel as if, um, yeah, this, this digital era that we're in, it doesn't help friendships. Mm. It might help um, certain discussions. Oh, where did you get this from? Um, what was you doing there? How was the holiday? 
uh, how was the event? Um, but it just it kind of just stops there. People just go on the assumption of what they've seen, and not the things that they haven't seen. Um, there's less searching questions about how your day was or how your week was or how you just are personally because all they see is your smile and they they just take that as the gospel as everything about you um in that whatever time that you're in so mm. um i am definitely i was definitely aware that social media wasn't actually helping um it, it, it was kind of painting not a false um image but just a very limited one which wasn't helping me to you know foster new friendships that's what i've seen do you want to add to that yeah um i think so tying this to when i speak about secondary school for example um and growing up as a child and you're as you're developing emotionally one of the things that happened was feeling a sense of uh, codependency that you know you're told you need to be like this in order to be long um and so you feel pressure to do X, Y, Z. Um, but one of the benefits pre-social media yeah. was that you always had space to eventually be yourself. So even with the six hours a day at school, you then went home and then you could pick out the Yu-Gi-Oh cards from under your bed <laughs> that you didn't want anyone to know you secretly mm. enjoyed playing with. <laughs> social media has flipped that to the point where you're never by yourself even when you're by yourself. Mm. And so it's heightened um, those superficial markers um, where at school you were told you need to do this, you need to be like this. Um, and then you get home and you go on your phone and it's the same thing and it continues. Yeah. And, it, and, it, and so it, it drives, I think, even further that sense of loneliness. So I think for myself, I think if I had Snapchat hmm. when I was in secondary school, hmm. it would have been so much harder in terms of thinking every single day I'm reminded of just how much I don't belong when I see everyone doing X, Y, Z mm. um, and all those feelings that I, that I got to escape from every now and then on the weekend or when I went to do the night vigil on Friday and I was at church I wouldn't have got that opportunity <laughs> okay. now and so yeah I think in that sense social media um, height, social media heightens everything so it heightens um, those negative pressures yeah. um, that can make lo- that can make you go deeper into your loneliness, um, that can make you feel deeper those feelings of isolation and exclusion. I also do think that um, social media can heighten friendships in ways that would not have been possible in the past. So I think of my f- friendships that are formed with people in the US, for example, I just would not have been able to um, form them were it not for um, social media and technology yeah. to be able to mm-hmm. call them even with the times of indifference to be able to you know FaceTime is a game changer was someone, what was the first was it Skype was the very first like Skype, I think Skype, that, was, that was the first one I was aware of thing. yeah that was the first That's one I was aware of, of. Yeah. When, like, I think when that came into existence I just remember like people like you can call someone in China mm-hmm. and see their face mm-hmm. and <laughs> that's that's a massive game changer so it's allowed yeah. us it's a tool and it can be used for good and for evil and yeah. um just as it can be used to heighten those negative experiences it can also be used rightly um to deepen friendships so that when um things would ordinarily have sh- put stress on the on the friendship 
social media can ease those stresses and allow you to still develop a flourishing friendship. So where geography and distance might have ordinarily pulled people apart, got you. those can be overcome through social media. That's the one example I have in my head. I'm sure there are others in ways of... I'm sure there are other examples of, of how social media can be a good for mm. friendship. Mm. Yeah. Good word. Um, there's a, probably a couple of questions that I have before we sort of like wrap up. Um, one is a question I know that if I don't ask, a number of people are going to be upset about it. So that, <laughs> that question is, can a Christian have an unbelieving best friend? And feel free to change the can bit to should as well in your answer. Um, can easily, yeah. yes. Should, should, yes. That's my opinion. Um, this, is, this is speaking from experience of... Uh, should I say a mistake that I made a very big mistake that haunts me to this day um, I, I, as I've already said I grew up feeling alone and struggling when it came to friendships but there was one point in time that I had friends many actually um, of course it so basically the type of friends I had were friends that were actually having similar experiences. You know, they grew up in the same environment. They grew up in the same area. Everything was just so mutual about us. Um, our experiences of, you know, having no dads or having troubled mothers or being the only men in our households or growing up um, associated with the streets, like um, there was a sense of brotherhood with them. I related to these people. I knew their story. They knew mine. They know the struggle. Um, and we, we all had a heart for each other, even though it was uh, polluted to some extent because of the things we were involved in, but we didn't know no better at the time. But they were brothers to me, you know, in in, in, a, in a house with no men but myself. They were the only men in my life. And uh, even as friends or even out of the, I don't want to say too much, but <laughs> even out of the criminality or things that we were involved in, there was a sense of care for one another. But when I became a Christian, um, though, when, when I came to the faith there was a part of me that became ashamed of my past right um, more so than the common man because of uh, growing up with struggles with my thoughts and emotions so I, I was ashamed to an extreme extent which I don't want to say made me because I made a choice but I made a choice to basically abandon everything associated with my past so I opened up saying that the old people People who know the old me know me as Larry. That was my name before. Um, but I hated Larry and his world and his history and everything about him so much. And that included the friends that I had before. Um, so I ended up, you know, as they say, cancelling them. I cut them off. I separated myself from them. Um, and to this day, that's a decision that haunts me because the truth is that the Bible does not teach that we cannot be friends with unbelievers. The Bible does not teach... Um, that we should be anti those in the world. If anything, it encourages us to be the light in their world, mm -hmm. to be around just like Christ loves sinners and to, you know, bring your new values and new and bring the gospel and bring your faith and your new perspectives and just your hopes. Bring it to them. Be be Christ to them. And that's something that I missed. That's something I didn't know. And I miss my brothers to this very day. 
Mm. I hope one day I can fix my wrongs and connect with these people again. And I just, I'm saying this with a heavy heart, encouraging everyone and anybody to not make the mistake that I made, which is believing that, you know, we are so holy that we cannot be associated with unbelievers, whether that's in your family, whether that's in your, your, uh, those of your heritage, whether that's people in your hood or in, in, in your hometown or the area you live in. Be around them. Don't be against them. Be, you know, be, be of help. Be a brother, be a sister, be a friend. Um, I think the Bible encourages that very thing. So to answer your question is yes, you can be friends with unbelievers. Unbelievers are still humans and humans mm. are still created in the image of mm. God. They still possess um, not maybe the same hopes and we wish that for them to be saved too because we know their fate, but they still possess uh, qualities that come from God, the God that we worship and serve. Um, and so they can still be a friend. They can still care for you. They can still want your best. Um, you can still be with them and enjoy their their presence and everything that comes with it. And should you? Yes, I believe you should. Again, um, you know, you you cutting yourself off for unbelievers does not help the unbeliever. You're not serving them. You're not loving your neighbor. You should be around shining in their you know in in their life, um, being the salt of the earth, being the light of the world. I'm showing them how Christianity actually is, not this high and mighty set apart people that basically become cults um, and only stick to themselves. That's not our religion. That's not our faith. That's not our gospel. Um, so that's my answer. That's what I say. So in sum, Malachi's answer is, yes, a Christian can be best friends with an unbeliever. Mm. And when that question is changed, to should a Christian be best friends with an unbeliever? With the caveats that Malachi set out, Malachi says yes as well. Israel, mm. what's your take? Um, yes, and I don't know how I feel about the word best friend, but that's a separate conversation. Um, yeah, yes, so can, let me rephrase, can a Christian be friends with an unbeliever? Yes. Best, let's use that. <laughs> can they be best friends with an unbeliever? Yes. Mm -hmm. Should they be best friends with an unbeliever? Hmm. <sighs> I'm I'm applying too much moral reasoning here because should I I, I feel puts um a moral imperative. Mm, okay. okay. I so I I don't know if there's another word that I can that can bypass that. Basically, should in the sense that um there there should there sh there there needs to be some sort of like inten inten intentionality um in pursuing friendships with non Christians. But not to say that if you don't have a friendship with someone who's not a Christian, you're in some wrong. I think that's 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 the way I'm trying to phrase it, if that makes sense. Um I only I only mention that because you could generally be in a in a in a context where that isn't quite feasible. I that that may be hard. But yeah. Just for those who are like, oh, that's not really my context and not to put an unnecessary burden. Um Going back to the can, they can be, like Malachi said, essentially because they are humans and relationships are not um, experiences that are exclusive to Christians. Um, it's, it, and this applies for any and every relationship. I, remember, I still remember the first time I heard, I think it was Tim Keller. I'm just going to pin it on Tim Keller because it was a good sermon. So <laughs> probably it was him. It's a good sermon, so it must be from him. <laughs> <laughs> but it really could have been anyone uh the first time hearing about um 
the humanity of marriage and how human um, marriage is a was a creational ordinance that essentially a muslim couple can have a thriving healthy vibrant marriage um, because marriage isn't unique to christians it was a creation ordinance and so it is a human human thing so two non-christians can get married in a in a legitimate marriage and have a healthy vibrant functioning marriage um and then the preacher went went, went on to expound um exp- go out of that into other types of relationships saying that actually relationships are human things just like emotions or reasoning are human experiences relationships are human things and so because a christian and a non-christian are both humans they can have a true um, vibrant friendship um should they i would i would say that they should pursue um friendships with non-christians uh specifically because it it shows for that christian um the needs that they have as humans um that aren't oh i need to phrase this correctly (laughs) (laughs) that aren't identical or synonymous with christian values i feel like i'm i'm treading what I mean to say, if, if if this just turns out badly, then it is what it is. <laughs> but what I mean to say is that um, I think when we become Christians, and I think, Malachi kind of hinted this, to this, part of the danger in becoming a Christian is almost assuming that um, there is nothing of value or worth or benefit um, from people who aren't Christians. Mm, and so right. the only beneficial humans to us are Christians. Okay. And because the only beneficial t- humans to us are Christians, the only friendships that are worth having are Christians. But Christians believe in common grace. Yeah. Um, that every human, Christian or non-Christian, is made in the image of God, worthy of dignity and respect, and have intrinsic value in them. And therefore, the non-Christian has legitimate genuine value in them for the christian um and so having friendships with non-christians is actually a very important reminder of that and it's an important reminder in the moments when they do generally bring you value Mm. when you have that friendship with non-christian and you're like you know and you let's say you 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 create this this friendship was created out of um a shared passion um over x when you find joy and pleasure in X with that person, you're reminded actually that joy, um, that excitement, that pleasure in, in this thing is a human enjoyment. Right. Um, and that you can share that with the person and they can show you what it looks like to experience joy and pleasure in new ways that you previously hadn't seen before. Um, that's just one way in which I think Christian pursuing friendship with non-Christian is actually important for them. Okay, good words. Um, I'm not going to add too much because I think they're both full answers. Um, maybe the only thing I would say um, in addition to that is um, as we considered, as we have throughout this discussion, um, the connecting power of the gospel, mm. um, how it transforms a person from being um, simply a person in our community 
to actually our brother, to our sister, um, and the deepness of the bond that is formed by the fact that we're united to Christ and therefore united to one another. I think as we apply that to the framework of friendship, whilst I wouldn't say, um, I say yes to the first question, can a Christian be best friends mm. with an unbeliever? Yes. Um, whilst we think about this question more deeply, I would say as things go on in the ordinary course of the Christian experience, some assuming certain things. So you're in an environment where there's um, people roughly similar-ish to you. You have that sense of mutuality. It's there. Um, as things are ongoing, what I would expect over a period of time, I don't want to prescribe it. I don't want to say two months. I don't want to say five years. But over a period of time, I think the nature in which that friendships should blossom um, are such that you should be forming Friendship with believers, yeah. of course. Yeah. yeah, friendships with believers, and um, if that is if that is the case, I would expect that there is a deepness to a relationship with a believer um, that, unfortunately, cannot be met in the same way um, as an unbeliever on the basis of that bond that you have in Christ. So when we talk about, for example, counsel. There's a way in which Malachi can come to me with an issue um, that if I'm reading my Bible, if I'm praying, if I'm seeking the Lord for wisdom, that I can counsel Malachi in a way that leads him to how his saviour would want him to live. That someone who doesn't have that perspective, who doesn't have the spirit of God at work in them, won't do. Um, there's a way in which um, when we're thinking about being a truth teller, so we talk about a candor. Being a truth teller, well, to be a truth teller in the first place, to a certain extent, it actually matters what you think is truth, right? Mm. So I could tell you honestly from my heart what I think is truth, but it might be inconsistent with what the Bible says. But if we have this relationship where we both see ourselves as um, servants of the Lord of the word, then when I'm telling the truth, I'm trying to tell you the truth that's consistent with the word of the Lord. And so as we're thinking about friendships over time, in again, in in an ordinary setting where there's like people around, where you have that sense of community, I would expect in the vast majority of instances that over a prolonged period of time, um, relationships would blossom in such a way that at some point um, it would be, I would expect to see that believer have their best friend to be another Christian. That is not in contradistinction to what the guys have said. So you, I would expect that to be a positive growing of that relationship, which leads to the conclusion that they're best friends. That is mm. not to say you are meant to be destroying your relationships with Absolutely. unbelievers Absolutely. so that that happens. Um, and I think that's where we've got to be careful. Um, yeah. That's where we've got to, to, to make sure that we're on guard to find that balance between reckoning with, for, for example, a passage in uh, 1 Corinthians that says um, uh, bad company... Um, can no corrupt good morals yeah. um, and also reckoning with the fact that our saviour broke bread with people who weren't believers mm. um, so we want to have that balance where we're walking that tightrope we're not too far to the left we're not too far to the right um, but I would I would just add that reflection um, mm. final thoughts mm. so we've spoken about loneliness we've spoken about friendship we've spoken about interaction with being a man um, being a black man at that Um I want to say, as our final question, and I'm going to answer this as well because I just want to answer it, <laughs> uh, is your Malachi's 27 now. Israel, you how old? 25? 
25. Basically 20. <laughs> um, I always forget wow. how young this guy is, you know. I oh. always forget how young you are. Wow. Okay, so Israel's 24, Malachi's 27, so I'm 26. The question I would say is if we go back um, 10 years, yeah, mm-hmm. um, and I'm framing this in light of one of my favorite quotes by uh, Frederick Douglass, hmm. the context doesn't matter, but the, the, the quote <laughs> is, um, it is easier to uh, build strong children than it is to rep- repair broken men. That's mm. a fact. So we go back 10 years. Mm. What do you want to tell yourself nah. about loneliness, about friendship, and how that interacts with you being a black Christian? Hmm. That's deep. <laughs> That's very deep. Um, the, f- the thing is, I do that all the time. I always daydream. I actually struggle mm. with daydreaming, but um, <laughs> I always uh, picture the old me or the former me and wonder what I would tell him. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to let Israel answer first. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think first thing I'd say is uh, discover yourself and be, and actually just explore and learn who you are apart from what people want you to be. Uh, I say that because I think wanting to be what other people, pursuing what other people wanted me to be led to pains that easily could have been avoided. Mm. Um, and so discovering who you are saying and accepting that and saying, this is who I am. These are, these are my interests. These, this is the way I function. Like it took me so long to learn I was an introvert, for example. Mm. And just to be able to say, yeah, actually, I don't want to do loud music till 1 a.m. I would rather go to bed at 10. Like, I really would. Just little things and just knowing who you are. Know thyself. I'm sure that's from someone famous. Mm. Maybe Cicero. Something I feel like it, isn't Socrates, it? It sounds, maybe. it sounds like that. <laughs> but like, know thyself and just, and know who you are and, and, and say, that's okay. Um, secondly, to say, the emotions you feel are, are real um, and they are human and they are okay and they are worth feeling. Um, that when you feel your loneliness, don't try and push it down by um, <laughs> messaging people who's got motive or you know, like like not that that's wrong. Let me not, not if if you're if you're currently texting that to your friend while you're listening to <laughs> finish the finish the text, but but not yet yeah, not feeling the burden and the need to respond to every emotion by trying to suppress it. And that doesn't just go for loneliness, but that also goes for sadness and the and the emotions we typically view as negative. Um, to say, feel them, know that they are good. Uh, I think the last thing I would say um, is find a mentor. Mm. I think I didn't really have one. Um, as as a youth, is it youth 14? Would that be a youth? I don't know, teenager. Yeah, yeah. there was a lot of finding thing finding things out by yourself okay um and i mean how much can a 14 year old trust a 14 year old yeah. uh to really direct and guide and i think in many ways i didn't have someone walking with me through these new experiences and new valleys and hills and you know, offering their wisdom, but also giving space to be like, you know, this is 
wisdom from previous experiences but i ultimately can't make you do xyz but just being that guide and director um someone that i could look up to um and not be codependent on okay. uh, to actually point me in a healthy direction um <laughs> whether that's a lot to ask a 14 year old to find a right mentor yeah, yeah. is another thing but mm. you know bringing it bringing that to their awareness that you need someone that you can walk in the footsteps of yeah yeah um i agree with you especially that first point um if i could go back in time and speak to myself i would definitely ask young malachi or larry even Mm. um to discover yourself and be yourself i would um as someone who was always diseased with toxic masculinity i would uh i would stress to him the harm it does I would, if I could show him, I would show him the consequences of continually believing in this toxic culture that unfortunately you had no choice to be a product of, but it doesn't have to define you. It might be a part of you, but you can overcome it. So I will tell my young self to be honest, be true to whoever I am. Even if I don't at the time know who I am um, or what I am, uh, I will tell him it's okay. I would tell him to do the work of finding it out. Um, I would tell him to be open to help. Don't believe in this lie that I'm not allowed to be weak. I would show him mm. what true strength is. True strength is admitting your weaknesses, admitting your faults. True strength is being open to help, um, being open to love. And of course, as we're speaking about today, be open to friendship. Cherish those people who wanted to be there for you and uh yeah um there's a thousand man you guys discussion (laughs) there's a thousand things i I can think of um to tell my old self but i would honestly just um tell him everything about god um not not in the limited or should i say the short way that i knew him at the time or at least the ideations of faith that i had i would actually uh teach him how God is actually your father as opposed to him being your creator and how you can find a, a man in him that you can trust with yourself, um, that you can be open with and expose your heart to knowing that he will never fail you, knowing that he will never abandon you, all of these things. Mm. Um, and just believe him as far as all of the blessings and the means of grace that he's offered. That if I hold on to these things, you know, things will be better for me because I, I was in a strange time 10 years ago well, I was in a strange time basically every year of my life. <laughs> but um, I was in a strange time 10 years ago. Um, and I just didn't have this understanding. You know, the, the saying is obviously, you only do better when you know better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't know better at the time, so I didn't do my best. Um, but if I could have showed him the way, I would encourage him to do so. I, so I guess as I say this, as I answer this question, I'm thinking of people who well, might be the same age now or who might be younger who are listening to this podcast. I would say, I guess it's time. You know, it is time to overcome our culture and to know that we define who we are, um, to accept oneself, embrace your uniqueness, mm. um, understand what true weakness is, which is not admitting that you're weak, understand that strength is asking for help. You know, I would say so many things to the, especially people who lived in my um, way of life at the time. I would just show him that, or show them, it could be a girl, that um, it's not the answer. It's not the way. 
um, temporary comforts don't help. Um, just be yourself, believe in God, hold on to Him, and uh, yeah, He'll He'll if you trust yourself to Him, He'll be with you any and everywhere throughout the whole thing. Um, he'll provide everything that you need. Um, yeah, I'll t I'll tell him of hope. Basically, that's what I'm saying. I'll tell him of hope. We sometimes come through friendships. <laughs> yeah. Um, so at this point, I'm not going to try and follow up on Israel Malachi because <laughs> those are some exceptional answers. But what I will do is I will do a plug and it will be shameless. Um, we have on the 15th of June, our second live show yeah, yeah. where we are going to be exploring the gospel for black millennials. Mm. We are so excited uh, yeah. to have the opportunity. The Lord has given us a, a venue um, and has opened a heart of some special guests to join us. Um, so we should be having Mike, who is the founder and director of um, our God-given mission, as well as uh, the Common Sense Network. We will be having Pastor Kende Omatayo, the, the, the lead pastor at Hackney Evangelical Reform Church, joining us as, yeah, as we explore some of the, the issues um, that are prevalent in the black British context and how mm. the gospel speaks to them. Um, that's our starting premise. The gospel does speak to them. Mm. Um, and we're going to explore that. We're going to unpack that. We're going to have games. We're going to have things you can win. We're going to have performances. We're going to have food. Mm. You know, last time the food was great. This time will be even better. Um, so if you can come down, we would love to see you. We'd love to meet you. And you can get your tickets on blackberea.com. Um, we don't have many left, do we? Mary, Mary's shaking her well, head. Sold saying, out. Not, we have like only like a few, yeah, a few left. Damn. so um yeah and this podcast yeah. is gonna drop on wednesday so even by then we'll have even fewer left so the moment you hear this um do try and like book a ticket try <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah we would love to have you um but we've we've been discussing friendship we've been discussing loneliness we've discussed how that intersects with masculinity with christianity mm. with blackness and um, we appreciate your time listening in uh, do hit us up on the socials if you have further questions, if you have reflections on the things that I've said, that Malachi said, that Israel has said. Um, do go to cruciform.me to read the article, <laughs> The Difficult Art of Saying Goodbye. Malachi, is there anything that you are doing at the moment that you would like people to, <laughs> to, to have an awareness of before we close? Um, no, I, I'm not on... Uh, at the moment, I, I've taken a step, uh, a step back from um, most platforms... Um, because I'm with everything that I've expressed today, I took time out to actually heal from these things. You right. know, I was kind of tired of being toxic. I was kind of tired of being troubled by these things. Um, and so I'm in the process of healing. So I'll be back to whatever platform <laughs> okay. I aspire to, um, hopefully by the end of the year. I just encourage, I guess the only thing I can say is I encourage everyone who's hearing this to heal in any way they can mm. expose themselves to any available help um around them you know focus on your mental health your emotional well-being your spiritual work even your physical health too and you, you know your body um yeah 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 i'm all about health at the moment so so yeah okay so we have that for malachi um and i've enjoyed i think i've enjoyed this i've actually enjoyed this, I've enjoyed, this. I've enjoyed this thanks so, for having me yeah Appreciate I've, it. I've been ministered to you by both of your answers at many points um and so hopefully we'll get you back on malachi okay yeah, yeah. um yeah but this is black berea Oh. Gang, gang, gang. <laughs> <laughs>